in this series, we've been talking about something that does not feel very light and, and full of laughter. We've been talking about Job and the emptiness this man has felt. Seemingly, I mean, losing everything. This guy has gone through, it's, it feels like hell on earth and back, and maybe you resonate with that. But what I want to focus on is how do we get from one part of Job to another part of Job? Because I believe his life shifts for the better, but we need to talk about how that happens. So in first, uh, to better understand it, let's see where he is in Job 6. So it says this, If my misery could be weighed and my troubles be put on the scales, they would outweigh all the sands of the sea. That's why I spoke so impulsively. And some of you resonate just off the bat, like, I hear you, Job. That's exactly where I am. The weight of this world can feel so heavy. Storm after storm, season after season, I just feel like I'm heavy. Maybe you're watching this later and you, you resonate with that same thing. But he continues and he says, For the Almighty has struck me down with his arrows. Their poison infects my spirit. God's terrors are lined up against me. Don't I have a right to complain? Come on, y'all just, you, you feel that too. Like, I just want to complain. My wife has made it very clear. Sometimes I don't need to fix. I just need to let her complain. Job is in this same state where he's like, I just want to complain. Life is terrible. And he continues, and this is how he compares it. He says, don't wild donkeys bray when they can't find any grass or oxen bellow when they have no food? Don't people complain about unsalted food? Doesn't anyone uh, does anyone want the tasteless white of an egg? That is biblical proof that you should eat all the deviled eggs you want because there is nothing good about a white egg. You need the yolk up in there. That was for somebody. But he continues in verse 7, and he says, My appetite disappears when I look at it. I gag at the thought of eating it. Oh, that I might have my request, that God would grant my desire. Job, what is your desire? I wish you'd crush me. I wish you'd reach out his hand and kill me. And I don't know about you, but there has been seasons in my life where there have been times, and maybe you're in that season right now, where you're saying, God, it is better to live apart from this world than to live with the weight of this world. I would rather be out of this world than in it with the weight I'm experiencing. Job is saying, God, I wish you'd just kill me because the weight's too much. And maybe you're in this room and you're feeling that, and can I say something to you right here and now that Job 6 is not the end of his story, nor is it the end of yours. The last time I checked, you do have an author, and it is not yourself, but it is God saying, your story has not been yet written, so continue to press on, continue to have faith, continue to trust. I don't know if you've gone through a miscarriage or if you're struggling in your marriage. Whatever is going on, this is not the end of your story. Where you are right now, I don't know who that's for, but you need to know that this is not the end of your story. And we look at Job and we see what is the end of his story. Job 42, 12 through 17 says this, So the Lord blessed Job in the second half of his life even more than in the beginning. For now he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 teams of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. This guy had a whole zoo up in there. He also gave Job seven more sons and three more daughters. He named his first daughter Jemiah, the second Keziah, and third Karen. And then the last part sounds like a sneeze, so I'm going to keep going. In all the land, no women were as lovely as the daughters of Job, and their father put them into his will along with their brothers. Don't miss that. When God wants to bless you, he's actually going to bless others too. The blessing that you get on your life is not just for you, but it's also for others. He was able to write his family into a will of the blessing of God on his life. 
right? So it's true for you too. And I love this part. Job lived 140 years after that, living to see four generations of his children and grandchildren. Then he died, an old man who had lived a long, full life. He's had some hard seasons. He's had some storms. He's had points where he felt like giving up to the point of taking his own life. He just wished that God would take him out. But yet we read these last three words. He had a long, full life. And I looked up that phrase in Hebrew, this full life, and it's shalbeah. Go ahead and say shalbeah. Shalbeah just means satisfied. Shalbeah means satisfied. So how do we go from living this life out, where we can go from places where we feel like we're sinking to then living in satisfaction? So you can look at your neighbor and say, shall better listen. Shall better listen for this message because this is getting good, right? <laughs> I, would, I would like us to consider, though, that the best and worst seasons of our life can be more fulfilling the more we activate our faith. That our life can truly be fulfilling the more we activate our faith. I'll say it like this for the remainder of our time together, that a fulfilled life is on the other side of a functional faith. That a fulfilled life is actually on the other side of a functional faith. So I came to talk to those who wanna make a difference who want to see real fulfillment and freedom, who want to see their friends, their families, and even themselves impacted by their own faith. But here's the reality, maybe you feel numb to it. Maybe you've been growing up in church a while, or maybe you're new to it. Maybe you've been even hurt by people of faith. I wanna encourage you that this message is for you, and it's not just for you. I came to also speak to me, because this is a message I need every single day. Day. And here's what I realized again, that real fulfillment is on the other side of a functional faith. I'd hope you'd write that down to reference back because I don't want to just give you a fill up today to be empty tomorrow, but I want to give you tools so that you'd be able to fill yourself up in the best and worst seasons. So what you mean by functional, Jay? What does that actually mean? It, it means this, not the faith I have, but the faith I engage or activate. The better way I can explain this is, wouldn't it be nice if you went to the gym and you just got fit, like you just said, I go to the gym and all of a sudden just boom, you were just ready. Like six pack, there. You know what I mean? It's just, you said it and it happened. But all of us know that isn't necessarily true. You know what's the same truth? That just because we go to church does not mean we activate our faith. I, I'm, I'm being real. This is me too. Again, this is a message for me. So I want to encourage you guys. Sometimes we can say we go to church and we can go to youth group but how often do we activate our faith? How often is it actually functional? Not just on a Sunday, but even on a Monday, right? And we need to talk through that. Here's um, another way that I saw it. I saw it, well, actually, before that, just in case God wants to bless somebody with a six-pack, look at your neighbor and say, I got six-pack abs. Because, hey, I doubt it will happen, but let's just leave it to chance. But here's the reality. If I were to pick one of you out, I like to pick on my best friend uh, since third grade, Pastor Aaron. That man doesn't need to tell me he goes to the gym. I know it. I know he goes to the gym. Why? Because I see him functioning his biceps so that his sleeves are fulfilled. You know what I'm saying? Like, that man has some great muscle. He's getting big in the gym. But I, he doesn't need to tell me that he goes because I see him functioning. Can I say the same thing is true about your faith? that you don't have to necessarily tell me, but I should be able to see it like you're working that muscle, you're activating it, you're engaging with it, you're saying this is something I'm going to use, and people will start to see it. I mean, people will start to see it 
on your life. So I'm praying and hoping that we decide to get functional faith in the room. And I, I'm not the only one who just says this. We can also find this in our scripture. We'll look at James 2.14. It says, dear friends, do you think you'll get anywhere in this if you learn all the right words but never do anything? Does merely talking about your faith indicate that a person really has it? Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says this, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not for yourselves. It is a gift from God. It is not by works so that no one can boast. I came to talk to the worst sinner and the best saint. It is not about what you did or didn't do. It is about what he did. But hear me out on this. Salvation is not simply somewhere you end or you settle for. It is just the start of something. How do I know that? Let's keep reading in verse 10. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do. Don't miss those words. We are created to do. There is an action. There is a functioning in our faith to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Look at your neighbor and say, to do. Now look at your other neighbor and say, you better do too. Right? Let's just let everybody know in the room that they better do. So we're going to talk a little bit about one of the greatest of all time in faith. This is Abe, Abraham. Uh, his first name's Abram, right? And we're going to talk a little bit about what he does with a functional faith. And then we're going to look at one of my least favorite verses uh, right now. In Genesis 12, 4 through 5, we see Abram. And it says this, Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out for Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people, had or, and the people they had acquired in Haran. They set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived. Can I tell you, the word of God, if you get a word from God, you can follow that thing to obedience, and he's going to see you through. I promise you he's going to see you through, because just like Abram in this story, God set a destination for him to go, and he functioned in his faith to go there. It said they went, and they set out for it, and they arrived. That's key, because there's a level of faith that's functional, not just talked about, but engaged with. Let me tell you one of my least favorite verses. It's actually about Abram's dad. His name's Terah, and it's Genesis 11 that will read a little bit about his story. In 31, verse 32, it says, Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram. And together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. He had a goal. And he functioned in his faith, but at some point or another, he decided to settle. And I don't know who I'm talking to. Maybe you're online and you're like, hey, I'm just going to stay out of church for a little bit, but you've settled in a place. Maybe you've said to yourself, hey, I'm going to join the dream team. Hey, I'm going to go on small groups. And you started functioning in the right way, and then you settled in a place. And, and maybe you might say to me, well, JT, it's just a season. And if that's true, I'm all for that because you do need rest. I am not pushing anybody to go outside of rest. Our God didn't, neither should we. But the reality of this is, is we see that he settled and not just for a season. You read verse 32 and it says this, Terah lived 205 years and he died in Haran. He never made it to the fulfillment of his life because at some point he settled. At some point he said, I do not want any of us to settle. But the reality is, I've done the same exact thing. I've just said, God, I'm going to coast on salvation because that's good enough for me. I don't really need anything more or anything less. And this is what I did as I coast on salvation growing up. I would say all the right things, but I never lived the word out I said. 
I would believe I'm saved, but I would never think my family would change. I just settled. I said, they're not, they're, this dynamic's never going to change. We're not going to go to church together. We're not going to experience this lifestyle together. It's just not going to happen. I remember knowing I'm heaven bound, but stuck on earth in my addictions on private tabs I didn't want anyone else to know about. I remember knowing I could get peace in heaven, but never believing it could come down to earth. That there was all these things that I just decided to settle for salvation rather than functioning in my life to see God bring about fulfillment. In other words, I believed in God, but I didn't have a functional faith. I think we're, I think we're all, we can all attest to this. We all know faith. We all experience faith. We've all said, yes, God is amazing in our life, but sometimes we simply settle. And my encouragement today is that you'd start functioning again, that you'd start working out that muscle because this is what's needed in order to refill in the empty seasons. This is what's needed in every season. So I hope you would continue to take notes. But if you're looking for a title, the title of today's message is this, Note to Self. Note to Self, because you need this note for any and every season. And there's three things I want to tell myself that I think would resonate with all of us. Number one is this, you have a part to play. (laughs) Isn't that good news? That you weren't made for the sidelines, that you were not the last pick at recess, that you weren't down and out, that you weren't just somebody else will do it, but you were made with a part to play. That the kingdom of God would grow through someone like you. That's what God desires in our life. And again, Ephesians 2.10, we look at, for we are God's handiwork, not just created to sit or to wait, but we are created in Christ Jesus to do. To do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You were made on purpose for a purpose. And that is so true of every single person in this room or anyone who's watching online. As um, we keep going, there's a picture of Kitty Genovese that's popping up on the screen. Kitty Genovese was a woman that was uh, attacked. She was actually assaulted and then murdered in front of 38 people. In front of 38 people, this woman ended up being assaulted and murdered. Why? Because everyone else thought someone else would do something. Because everyone else, I'm going to say that again, everyone else thought someone else would do something. So it would look a little bit like this. All 38 would walk by and say, that does not look good. Somebody already called the cops. That, that right there, I don't know if that's, There's no way this has been accepted already. Somebody has already had to do something. Someone already tried to break it up. It must be a husband and wife thing. And 38 bystanders walked by to the the point where we now have a term for it called the bystander effect. The bystander effect is this, that you're less likely to help because you think someone else will do it. That you're less likely to help because you think someone else will do it. We do this all the time with faith. I see that person walking in and I saw the cuts on her arms. Somebody else already prayed for that. Someone else has to like recognize that. I walk into my business and I see, I see a woman with her head hanging low and uh, you know, she's off. Somebody else probably gave her a word of encouragement. I see a marriage fighting and they're not really figuring out odds and ends. And instead of speaking life, I say, someone else already spoke life to them. I don't need to do it. Right? Can, can we be honest? That's, that's where we can find ourselves. I can find myself doing that too. When it's like, oh, JT, go pray for that woman in Walmart. Ah, I, got, I got the quick checkout and I got to get home. I'll pray for her in the car, right? Like, this is real life that we have these things happen, and I just want to make it as real as I can. But here is what I want to tell you. Please, if I could go back to even JT in that seat that was settling, can I say this? Do not settle. 
do not settle. Here's what I would tell myself. JT, you have a part to play in seeing your dad take his faith seriously and heal from a hard past. JT, you have a part to play in seeing your mom and two cousins get baptized in 2023. You do end up beating the addiction to pornography, not only beating it, but helping others overcome it. JT, do not give up because you're going to have a part to play in letting Lift Church know on April 30th that regardless of anything they have done up to this point, seen and unseen, that they are loved by the Father without limit or hesitation. Do not settle. The same is true for you. Man, I, I just I love God for this because the same story is true for you. He does not want you to settle. This is not a kick your butt message because you haven't been functioning in it. This is a start functioning in it and see fulfillment in your life, right? That you would actually see things that you never knew God would do through someone like you. I promise he will do it. This is what I wrote down. Don't wait for someone else to do what God has for you. Do not wait for someone else to do what God has made and ordained for you that you were made to do good works prepared by God in advance. So the next point I want to share with you is number two, Nike. Just do it. Sometimes you just need to hear that, right? Sometimes you just need to know, man, I might not have it all figured out. I might not know the perfect prayer. I might not have the perfect amount of faith, but God says if he can move a mountain with a mustard seed, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to believe. I'm just going to start functioning in my faith because the reality is this, the choice is yours. I can tell you you have a part to play, but it's your choice whether you play the part. It is your choice whether you play that part. And I was just thinking about um, this guy that I was leading with. He's a youth pastor um, about, I don't know, like 40 minutes away from us. And I, I just love gaining insight from him because he's been doing it for 16 years. And I just learn, I, I love learning from other people. So I'm talking to him and we're talking about, hey, how do you equip? How do you excite the next generation? Because I really believe the next generation is making a difference. Like, we're, the tide is rising. I don't know if you all know it or not, but they're coming up, and I'm believing for our youth that they're actually going to be leading this church, that they're going to be doing amazing things. Just you wait. Just you wait. God's doing it because we got functional faith. But anyways, he had, um, he said this. He said, JT, I've been a youth pastor for 16 years, and there's a Christian school that is right next to me. I have never had a leader from that Christian school enter my youth ministry. I've never seen a leader from the place that's supposed to develop them come into my youth ministry. And I thought for a second, I don't think it's so much on the school. I think it's on us making sure that we have places and environments for students to function in their faith, that they would actually be able to do that. So when I heard that, I was more encouraged about our church because our church gives our team opportunities and influences and uh, places to function in their faith. I mean, we had a media team functioning in their faith that's from the youth group. Like, it's, it's about functioning in your faith. It's not about knowing a lot. Because a lot of us could tell you up and down about Jesus, the things that he's done, all the books, and I think we need a place for that. I'm not saying that's wrong, but when's the last time you activated or functioned with that faith? That you believed God was who he said he was, not just talked about who he said he was. That I am actually is enough, right? That we would work in that place and believe it for our own selves. Here's a way that you can activate your faith. It's gonna be super simple, and it's something you can do even with Mother's Day coming up. It's Proverbs 11.25. A generous person will prosper. Like we saw even in the building video that we're all prospering as a church. But whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Can I give you a takeaway point, just like an application point that you can do with this verse? Here's what I want you to do. Activate your faith by caring for someone else this week. Activate your faith 
by simply caring for someone else this week. It could be a phone call. It could be a handwritten letter. It could be a prayer right after this experience. You just see somebody with their head hanging low. I don't know what it would be for you, but would you activate your faith with a phone call, gift, or letter? A mom would love any of that, right? So anyone would love any of that. So I hope that you would activate your faith by caring for someone else this week. My sister did this without even knowing she did this. I'll, I'll rewind to Valentine's Day. So we're talking about February. And I wanted to talk to her about Valentine's Day, how it was all going. And she's like, I don't really want to talk about that. I'm like, okay, it's cool, whatever. So she starts pointing me to this rose she bought my mom. And I don't know about y'all, but like, there's not much to talk about with a rose. I mean, there's a rose, there's a petal, and there's a stem. Like, that's, that's how my mind sees it. I know it's much more than that, the people who get it. But that's how I was seeing it. But she's like, Jay, there's... There's a heart, though. Like, it's shaped like a heart, and if it's growing in this season, and look how beautiful it is, Jay. And we just talked about this flower, and can I tell you, this was her living out a biblical truth, that she was actually more refreshed by refreshing someone else. The Bible isn't just a, a bunch of good sayings. These are things that when you function in your faith, you will see a fulfillment of life, even something as small as giving somebody else flowers. It's just functioning in it. So don't settle for an inactive, unfulfilled faith. Look at your neighbor and say, hey, neighbor, your outfit looks great, right? Like just real quick. There you go. I helped you out even in that, but continue to compliment and refresh others and you'll be refreshed. But here's a couple more in our church that I'd like to share that people have been functioning in their faith and the result of a fulfilled life. We had a functional faith where a group of us came together and prayed. The fulfilled life was a man was healed of cancer. He was completely healed. There was a functional faith of someone, oh yeah, it's going to keep coming too. There's a functional faith of someone attending freedom, which is one of our small groups about getting stuff out of you you didn't even know you had in you. And the result of that, the fulfilled life, she sent us a video of her throwing away all the tools she used for cutting. This is a fulfilled life. Come on. A functional faith. Somebody got back in his Devo. I actually threw up the text here of it. This is one of my friends, and if we got the picture, there it is. I said, uh, he said, I've been listening to the Bible a fair, uh, a fair bit since we have had the conversation about that. I feel a lot, and yeah, that picture is old school. That's what we do here. But since we've had the conversation about that, I feel a lot better. Imagine that. I said, hey, or how crazy it is uh, that that works, but we all can forget that truth. We all can forget that truth, amen. We have a joy again, or he said, I have a joy again that I really haven't had, uh, I haven't felt in like two weeks, and it's like a fresh joy. It's like a fresh joy, just getting back into his Devo, just functioning in that. And here's one more, but I know there's so many more stories in this room. We could be here all day talking about it, but there was a functional faith where two groups decided, you know what, I'm going to lead a small group. I'm going to make that community available for someone else. And we had uh, a marriage small group and a freedom small group. And I said, hey, could you just text me a little bit about what it feels like to be leading groups this semester. And all they could say is, I feel so fulfilled. I've seen lives change. I've seen people not just talk about faith, but use their faith. And I, I'm so encouraged by it. And I want to encourage you, maybe that's your step. Maybe you're like, hey, I want to make that community for somebody else, for somebody to experience healing. Pastor Aaron has a setup that on May 28th, he's doing a leader training. This is not just for us. This is for you to function in faith and see a fulfilled life come on the other side of it. I truly believe if some of you step into that, you'll see it. But it's not just for the church. It's also for your marriage. What if you just started speaking words of life and you started saying, I'm going to function in my faith and I'm going to see a fulfilled marriage. I'm going to start speaking words of encouragement to those who have maybe gone through a depressing season, knowing that as I function in my faith, it will bring about the fulfillment of life. 
that we would do that. Oh, and I forgot one more. How did Job go from so empty to so fulfilled? From Job 6 to Job 42, what's the transition? Some of y'all might say, well, after he gone, he's gone through so many storms, God just kind of plopped it on his lap. Like, you deserve it, man. You've gone through hell and back, essentially. And this is actually what we see according to Job 42.10. It says this, when Job prayed. When Job prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes. In fact, the Lord gave him twice as much as before. Job had a functional faith that prayed for his friends, and his fulfillment was he didn't just get what he got back. He got double for his trouble and ended up seeing a fulfilled life because he functioned in his faith. And if you read Job, his friends sound more like his enemies. Those guys were just all up and down him. But nonetheless, Job actually functioned in faith, and I believe that was the difference between a Job 6 and a Job 42 is functioning in our faith. So don't miss that. Tell your neighbor, Shalbeah, because Shal better believe that if you have a functional faith, you are going to see a fulfilled life. You just, you will. And I'm not saying it's always going to be easy. I'm just saying that you will feel fulfilled. And number three is this. It all works out. It all works out. I'm telling you, for those who are nervous to re-engage the faith, I'm telling you, for those who have been questioning it and unsure, it all works out. I'm not saying it's always easy. I'm not saying it's always very clear and uncomplicated. Sometimes it can be, but can I tell you this? It is so fulfilling. It is so fulfilling to function in our faith. An example of this is Luke 17, 11. We see 10 lepers which if you don't really understand the concept of lepers, try imagining the year of COVID with complete isolation for 30 years. Like we already know what one year did to us. Imagine that's what you had to deal with for 30 years because you were excommunicated. You were kicked out of all the places and spaces that others would be in. And here's Jesus and he's talking to these lepers and he says, hey, what I want you to do is walk towards Jerusalem. I want you to walk back into community. I want you to take that step. And at a surface level reading, we might think, is Jesus trying to like rip them off? Like, hey guys, go walk that way. Disciples, come on. Like, it's almost like, man, Jesus, you're just setting them up for failure. But can I tell you, if you read out that verse in Luke 17, 11, it says this, that as they walked, they were healed. Some of y'all, you want to know the end in mind, but can I tell you, sometimes you just got to start walking. Sometimes you just got to put your foot in front of the other and say, I don't really know what the end looks like, but I know my God's faithful. My confidence is in his faithfulness, and that alone is enough. And that is exactly what Jesus had them do in that moment, and the same is true for us. Romans 8.28 even says this. It says, and we know, we should know this, that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And you might be thinking, well, Jay, this says for the good of those who love him. Well, here's my question. How do you love him? How do you love a God that's given so much? How, how do I even do that with an intangible thing? And here's what I read. Because we have to understand love's not just a word, but it's an action. So how do I actively love God? He gives an example in John 21, 15 through 17. And he's talking to Peter, and it says, When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And his response was, yes, Lord. He said, you know that I love you know this to be true. Jesus said, well, then feed my lambs. Well, then feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And we know who Simon is. We know this guy can be a little crazy sometimes. So at this point, he might be a little like, Jesus? Like, you know. And he goes on and he says, he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. 
And he says again, well, then take care of my sheep. Verse 17, the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt. You know, I, I imagine Peter got a little smart. Like, Jesus, is this ear not resurrected yet? Like, is it still dead right here? Why can't you hear me? Like, what's, what's going on right now? And in this moment, he's hurt, and he says, Jesus, uh, Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. You know that I love you. And this is what Jesus said to him again. Well, then feed my sheep. In other words, to love God is going to be to love God's people. This is what he's telling Peter. This is what he's telling us, that in order to love God well, we need to love God's people. right? And God's people aren't just in church. God's people are all over the place, that they're looking for fulfillment in all the wrong places. And we need to love those people well, that we would feed his sheep, not just something that will last for a day, but something that will last for a lifetime, right? That Jesus says he is the bread that never runs out, that he will sustain all things. So to love God's people, I mean, to love God is to love God's people. And it's going to take a functional faith. Because you could look at me and be like, Jay, bro, people are cray cray out there. Like, I don't, I don't even, I don't like some church people. I don't like my family. I don't like myself. I don't, I don't know how to do this in my own strength. I don't think I can. And the reality is Jesus never asked you to. Jesus never asked you to do this in your own strength, but he actually left someone for you. It's an advocate. His name's the Holy Spirit. And Pastor Drew has kind of taught me things that the Holy Spirit does, and two things I really love about the Holy Spirit is he wants a total takeover of your life. He doesn't want just parts. He doesn't want just Sunday. He wants a total takeover of your life. Just like in war, you would see somebody come by land, air, and sea. This, this is the same Holy Spirit that says, no, I want every part of you. Because if we're being real, it's much better than the other thoughts that try to take over. The thoughts that say, I'm not enough. The thoughts that say, I can't make a difference. The thoughts that say, my family will never change. The thoughts that say, I, 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 it would be better to take my own life than to live this life out. He wants to take over those thoughts and he wants to make them obedient to him and say, no, 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 I made you an overcomer. No, 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 you're more than enough. No, 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 I, I, I don't see that for your life. That's not what I believe for you, that I'm actually gonna speak life into you because that's what I made you for. So we need the Holy Spirit to take a total takeover, but also I love that he teaches you. He's called the advocate for a reason. He's a helper because there's environments I walk into that I have no idea how to handle. That there's sometimes the weight of a situation or just the circumstances are beyond my own wisdom and I call upon the Holy Spirit and say, listen, you better be here because I cannot do this on my own. I need to function in my faith. And when I have, can I tell you this, I've seen some of the most fulfilling things of my life because I daily decided, Holy Spirit, I need more of you. I need more of you. And I'll show you what I'm talking about. This is my family, uh, me, my wife, Aubrey, and my daughter, Rory. She's four months now, so she's grown since that picture. But this is another picture of them. She's, you know, she's, oh, it's like, oh my gosh, she's amazing. Let me, show them the next one. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, life, life is not always easy. Life is not always fun. Life can be complicated. It can be complex. But can I tell you, it's been the most fulfilling thing of my life to be where I'm at even today with my family, with my circumstances, with the ability to be here to present this to you. I have lived a fulfilled life because I functioned in my faith. And in 11th grade, I decided to hear Pastor Drew. And I said, you know what? It's about time I activated it again. After I heard him speak, I said, you know what? I want to function in my faith. And I have seen 
so much fulfillment in my life. I wrote a few of them down that I've seen my sister grow in her faith. I got to baptize two of my cousins last week. Right, it's, this is the reality. I've seen my addictions break off, and hear me, some are still breaking off. I'm still believing for God because I still have anger issues. I still have insecurities, but I know my God is faithful. I know that I'm functioning in my faith, and I will see a fulfilled life, even if I have not yet. You need to believe that for yourself today. And I get to do, uh, I, I get to do what I love and see people do more than they ever imagined. And it is all because of the Holy Spirit. It is all because of his welcoming embrace to teach me and totally take over my thoughts and actions. So I would ask you, I would invite you to let him in another day besides Sunday. Maybe for the first time, it's the first Sunday you say, I actually want more of his presence now. But would you daily invite the Holy Spirit into your life? That on Tuesday in the middle of your marriage and Thursday at your workplace, on Friday when you're really mad at somebody and they're not texting you back, I don't know what it is, but would you invite them the Holy Spirit into that place. And you're like, okay, Jay, I want to do that, but what do I need to know? How do I do that? Here's what I would tell you. To expect, to believe, and receive daily. To expect that the Holy Spirit is who he says he is. To believe that he will help you overcome and bring about a fulfilled life as you function in faith. And to welcome or receive him often. This is not a one-time event, but a daily sacrifice. Say, Holy Spirit, whatever you have for today, I want to receive that. I want to live the most fulfilled life because I've been looking for fulfillment in all the wrong places. Everything's been coming up short, but I know that if I actually function in my faith, you say you'll bring about the fulfillment of my life. So here's the reality. You have a part to play, so just do it because it'll all work out. You have a part to play, so just do it it will all work out. And here's what I love about our God, to bring it back um, to close, is that our God was not uh, an ignoring God, that when he saw the light of humanity falling, when he saw the indicator, the warning sign, he didn't back away from the problem or stuff it under the rug. But he said, I've got to do something about this, that I have to do whatever I can to be reunited with humanity again. From the Garden of Eden to today, God has always been about you and making a way to connect with you. He did not uh, ignore any signs, and he saw the emptiness that everything else was bringing and said, I can bring true fulfillment. John 10.10, 10, that he would bring life and life to the full. So what I would like to do before we close our eyes is offer this to you, that the Holy Spirit is in this room, and that he is willing to be on each and every one of us in a deeper fashion, in a more intimate way, that we would rely on him, not just on Sundays, but daily. And if that's you with every head now bowed and every eye now closed, I would invite you to that, that prayer that says, hey, JT, I want more of the Holy Spirit. And if that's you in the room, can you just raise your hand to say, I need more of the Holy Spirit to function in my faith. I want to see a fulfilling life. I want to know that God's going to use me for something, but I need more of your spirit. Can you just put your hands in the air so I see them? Actually, keep them in the air for a second. But actually, if you want to turn them towards heaven as if to receive a gift, we're all going to pray together. God, I thank you for your Holy Spirit, that it is alive and present in this room, that it is an advocate in our time of need, that it helps us through the storms and situations of our life. God, if anyone is emotionally empty, if they're physically empty, if they're uh, mentally empty, whatever it is, God, that your Holy Spirit would come upon them even right now and start to encourage them, that would start to fill them up, that would start to remind them that the best days are still ahead. God, that you are doing a new thing in each and every 
one of us, and it's through your Holy Spirit. So we just pray more of the anointing of your Spirit on our lives, more of your presence in our day-to-day routines, God, that you would show up and you would show off because you are so good and we trust you with a functioning faith. And if you agreed with that, you can say amen and amen. And we're going to go into this idea that maybe your light's been on and you've been ignoring it. Maybe there's an emptiness that you've been uh, feeling. Can I tell you this, that you can live a full life if you just give your faith to Jesus Christ. You can live that fulfilled life. You can live that great life, that life and life to the full if you give your life over to Christ and just have faith and say, yes, I say Jesus is my Savior. So again, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I would love to ask, hey, if you've never gave your life to Christ or you simply want to recommit, could you put your hand in the air so we know who we're praying for? They're saying, I, I want to give it back. Maybe I've got stagnant. Maybe I settled somewhere, but I want to do more than just salvation. I want salvation for my life, but I want to see it make a difference in other people's lives too. Thank you, God. And I just want to take just a brief moment to make sure that everyone was accounted for. Come on, function in your faith right now if you need to raise your hand. Thank you, God. Hey, we're going to pray together because a church that stays together prays together so y'all can pray out loud with me. Can you all just say, dear God, thank you for sending your son to pay a price that I don't have to. I trust your son Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of my life. Help me to function in my faith, not just today, but every day. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Hey, can we give it up for everyone who gave their life to Christ? Come on, let's celebrate.